Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you, my friends, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, my first week of vacation, and I have a, a guest coming in, a friend from here in Ogden. His name is Pastor Bob Nakaoka, and uh, Pastor Bob's going to be filling the pulpit for me on uh, this Sunday, the 25th of June. And he's going to be talking about the next section in John's Gospel in, in chapter 6, where Jesus walks on the water. Uh, and so this is one of those events that happens in a lot of the Gospels, and it happens here in John as well. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Pastor Bob has to say about this this miraculous event. Uh, it's always good for me and interesting for me to listen to other people and how they explore and expound on these texts. You know, they can get pretty familiar and then we think we know what the message is. So it's always great to hear new voices, different voices. So I hope that uh, Pastor Bob's uh, leading us through this story is one that you'll find fulfilling and you'll find maybe some new insight into. So enjoy it. I hope that this is a good a good experience for you as it is for me. Well, I'm going to continue on. Pastor John has been covering the book of John and he covered uh, first portion of John chapter six, or maybe did last week, but I'll continue on continue on in the part that he gave me. Maybe you know of um, John MacArthur. He's a Christian commentator and author, uh, pastor even. He shared this story about a holy man by the name of Raoul. Now, this holy man flirted with fame in 1966. Uh, The old mystic believed that he could walk on water. He was so confident in his own spiritual power that he announced he would perform this feat before a live audience. So we sold tickets for a hundred bucks a piece and um, um, uh, invited all of Bombay's elite to watch this. 600 people came to behold this spectacle. It was held in a nice, beautiful garden with a deep pool. He appeared in flowing robes and he stepped confidently to the edge of the pool. He prayed silently And a huge, reverent hush fell over the crowd. Rao opened his eyes, looked heavenward, and took a step towards and into the pool. Splash! (laughs) Awkward! (laughs) He disappeared beneath the water, sputtering and red-faced. The holy man struggled to pull himself outside out of the pool, and he he trembled with rage, and he shook his finger at the crowd, and he said, one of you, one of you is an unbeliever. (laughs) Rao believed in himself. He had the faith, but other people didn't. 
So is that type of faith in one's own self the type of faith that Jesus wants to see in us? What is faith? (laughs) Is it like those common words of encouragement that we generically give out? You know, have faith. You know, I know it'll all work out. You could do it. I'm confident you'll catch that five-pound fish today. If you tell somebody that they have that type of faith, you're encouraging them to stay confident. But is that the type of faith that Jesus wants us to have? Of course not. Jesus wants us to delve deeper, something more spiritual. Well, is it a mere intellectual assent in God? You know, we, in our mind, we believe God. It's like James said in chapter 2. You believe that there's one God. Well, good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. They intellectually believe in God, that he exists, that he's there. They believe God. But they're not going to follow him because demons are minions of Satan. They're fallen angels. They're going to follow Satan. Is that the type of faith that Jesus wants? Somebody that believes in their head about Jesus but's not going to follow Jesus? How about temporal faith? You know, like the people that were receiving the bread and the, and the fish from that miracle that Jesus performed earlier in John chapter 6. Material blessings. You know, like when we ask God um, for an answer to prayer. And that's where these people in today's passage, they chased Jesus all around the lake trying to find him because they wanted more material blessings like the bread and the fish they had received the day before. Is this the type of faith that Jesus wants of us? Temporal, material blessings? Or does he want something more lasting? Is Christian faith based on, you know, a feel-good, confident way of saying to some other person, you know, have faith? Or is it more substance and a goal to our faith? Let's take a look, closer look at our passage in John 6 and see what type of faith that Jesus wants of us. And as I do this, we'll look at the setting in John 6, uh, starting in, in this uh, part after the feeding of the 5,000. And as you know, John wrote this, oh, about 45, 50 years after the other Gospels, Matthew and Mark. And so John kind of summarizes What happens there that evening and night? Matthew 14 and Mark 6 also covered. And so I'm going to kind of fill in the gaps there with what happened that night after the feeding of the 5,000. So the setting is that Jesus has just fed over 5,000 men and many more women and children. It's getting dark. And so he sends his disciples on to get into a boat and row across the lake to the other side. He goes off by himself to uh, uh, spend time with his father, to commune with him in prayer, to talk to him about what's happening, to share with him his thoughts. His dear cousin, John the Baptist, has just been executed. So that's really been an emotional downer for him. It's been a tough day, too. He's ministered all day. According to Matthew 14, he's healed many. And according to Mark 6, He's shared about the kingdom. He's preached the gospel. 
And now he's emotionally drained, and so he spends time with the Father. The people had been so hungry. Jesus had fed them out of five loaves of bread and two fish, multiplying it. Such were 12 baskets left over. But now this night, the disciples are in the boat, and they're rowing across the lake to get to the other side. But a violent storm has come up. And they're just rowing, rowing against the wind. It's like they're getting nowhere. After about six or eight hours, and they've only gone three to three and a half miles. It's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's a long time to row and not get very far. They're tired. But this storm is just really violent. And then all of a sudden, there's this form in this in the mist, a silhouette. They think it's Jesus, but then others say, oh, maybe it's a ghost. They're terrified. And, and the guy, he's walking on water. He's, he's not swimming. And, and he's not like the silver surfer in uh, Fantastic Four or something. He's, he's walking on the water. It's amazing. It's not the middle of the winter on a frozen lake in Alaska. It's Israel in the spring. It's 80 degrees out, and it's 50 or 60 degrees for the water temperature. You know, that's kind of cool, but still it isn't frozen. And Jesus is there walking on the water. And so he comes up to him and says, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. And Matthew 14 continues with Peter now getting involved. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat. And lo and behold, another miracle happens. He doesn't start drowning. He starts walking on the water. And he's not on a surfboard. He's walking on the water. But then the wind is buffeting him. He sees the waves and he's afraid. And he begins to sink. Cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him up. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter, he'd heard Jesus' teaching. He had seen the miracles. He had to some degree, you know, that intellectual, that mindset. You know, Jesus is somebody great. And, you know, so he has kind of a certain type of faith. But it's not quite there yet. Even at this point, his faith is more emotional. Just, you know, in the motions of the moment. And so he jumps in the water. But he walks on it. But his whole heart wasn't there yet. So as he's walking towards Jesus, he loses his focus. The wind and the waves get the better of him, and he starts to sink. You know, I think it's like sometimes we um, think of um, going on a, on a retreat. Uh, you know, a really great retreat on the weekend, a spiritual time with God. Great preaching, great uh, messages, worship time. It's a spiritual high for us. Great weekend. But then we come off the mountaintop. Even though it's been a good time with the Lord, Jesus is saying that we need something more in our faith, more sustainable, something that lasts. And that's what he was trying to teach Peter and us, that this brand of faith needs to be more permanent. And then Jesus and Peter, they climbed into the boat and another miracle happened. Jesus, master over nature. The wind stopped. The waves stopped lapping on almost sinking the boat. 
calmness. And then they ended up on the other end of the, uh, of the lake on land. Jesus wanted to encourage his disciples and give them more than just a generalized confidence that yeah, it's all going to work out. Jesus wanted to help Peter keep his eyes fixed on him, to trust only in Jesus and not be swayed by the wind and the waves. In other words, you know, all these crowds are trying to get, get apart a piece of Jesus and the disciples are, are, you know, trying to figure out how to handle this. And then on the other side, you got all these Pharisees, teachers of the law that are trying to take Jesus down. Wind and waves. Peter, don't get caught up in all that. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He wanted the disciples and us to find a more permanent faith that encompasses our minds, our heart, our souls, our strength, a complete trust in Jesus. Also, that means for us, this total trust in Jesus, that we aren't swayed by, you know, secular society, secular cultures, uh, whims and thoughts and these and that's that are somewhat apathetic to God's ways. Kind of like the... um, original mindset of that Davis school board that wanted to ban the Bible from library shelves in the schools. You know, of course, good thing that certain people um, uh, countered that. But that's, the, that's secular society that's more humanistic in um, nature where human thought is more important than divine or supernatural matters. And so we need, as Jesus says, to keep ourselves fixed on him. Jesus also wanted his disciples to believe in him more than just a a great teacher, great rabbi, and more than just a miracle worker. And so he was pleased when they took their next step of faith by responding in worship, calling Jesus the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who came to save the world from their sins, that came to save you and me from the depths, the pits of despair. John 6.22 continues, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite side of the shore realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They had taken off. And so they got in boats and went off in search of Jesus. And they found him on the other side of the lake. They asked him, well, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus knew what was in their hearts. And so he says to them, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs. Now, in the book of John, he uses the word signs a lot. Miraculous signs, not to point to, um, you know, oh, I did this great thing, you know, but to point to himself as a son of God who came to save mankind. And the people were missing the point. Because Jesus says, you came not because of these miraculous signs pointing to me, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. These people's faith in Jesus was temporal because he provided for their material needs. So so Jesus, he needed to, to have them 
take that step of faith that was more permanent, more lasting, more endearing. This faith then must have eternal spiritual value. It's just like Jesus telling the woman, the Samaritan woman, you remember back in John chapter 4, the woman at the well in the heat of the day. And Jesus asked for water. And she says, okay, yeah, you know, she's kind of fumbling and fuming about all this and that. But Jesus says to her, I can give you water. Water that wells up to eternal life. In the same way here in John chapter 6, Jesus tells these people to believe, to find food that endures to eternal life. And so they ask him, well, what, what type of work do we need to do to meet God's requirements? In other words, what do we need to do? Obey this law, do that, be this type of good person, help that person. Um, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, no, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. These people thought that faith had to be earned, that they had to work for it. But Jesus says, no, you know, you can't do enough good deeds to meet God's standard. <laughs> We're all sinners. We fall short of God's glory. No, this faith that leads to eternal life can't be earned, but it's based on a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, who's redeemed us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it like this. For it's by grace, it's God's grace, it's a gift from heaven that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So we're not just supposed to boast about it, not because of works. What type of faith is Jesus asking of us? Jesus told them that saving faith is found through total trust in him as redeemer of our souls and guide for our lives. In fact, Jesus more fully explains this later when he tells the people in John chapter 10 that he's the gate and whoever passes through Jesus will be saved. He's the gate to eternal life. And in John 14, he uses a different metaphor. He says that he's the only way to the Father in heaven. In other words, we get to heaven by following the Jesus road. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. Then in Acts, Peter, remember Peter, the guy that almost drowned? By this time, you know, he's, he's grown in his faith. He's learned what complete trust in Jesus is all about. It's not a, a partial thing. It's not temporal. It's a total permanent trust in him. And so now filled with the Holy Spirit, he's talking to the Jewish leadership in Acts chapter 4. And he said that Jesus is the cornerstone to our faith. He said that salvation is found in no one else, no other name under heaven except in Jesus can be found by which we can be saved. During the terrible days of the Blitz during World War II, there's a picture of a man, a father, holding his small son as they run out of a building that's being bombed. It's burning. And there's a large, deep shell hole in the front yard. And he jumps into it to seek shelter and safety. And he beckons to his son to follow. Bombs all around. The boy 
voice says, I, I, I can't see you. I can't see you. Dad, where are you? The father looking up at the silhouette of his son against the, the red sky of those burning buildings. He says, jump. I can see you. And so the boy jumped because he trusted in his father. Jump to safety. In the same way, in a spiritual sense, that's putting our full trust in Jesus. That's the type of faith that Jesus wants of us, a full trust, not temporal, permanent, not looking at just material blessings, but more from the heart, from the depth of our hearts, putting our trust in him. Just like that little boy, we don't know our future. We're going to have ups and downs. We're going to have trials, tribulations in our life. Things aren't always going to go well for us. We're going to have those great glorious days like those spiritual retreats, sunny days. We're also going to have those windy, snowy days. We know that here in Utah. But we know who has us. God. He has us by his hand. We don't know the future, but God does. And that's the type of faith that God wants of us. The faith that puts our total trust in Jesus, our heart, soul, mind, and strength in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for these words of Jesus teaching us, helping us to grow in our faith step by step to become closer to you, to keep our focus on you, Lord. Help us to do this through the twists and turns of this life that we face. Help us to keep our total focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for spending this time with us as we continue our journey through John's Gospel. Uh, And a big thanks to Bob Nakaoka for uh, coming and filling the pulpit for us. It's a blessing to have him around and be able to uh, leave the pulpit in a great, uh, great hands, capable hands while I'm away. Uh, so next week will be another guest. We'll have Kirk Probasco, who's a commission lay pastor here in the Presbytery of Utah. He'll be filling the pulpit for us as well. And you can always check us out on YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube and search for First Presbyterian Church Ogden. And you're welcome, as always, to come and join us at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning here on the corner of Quincy and 28th. And if you'd like to financially support the ministry of First Presbyterian Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.fpcogden.org, and you can give there to help continue the work that we're doing. Well, my friends, blessings, and we'll see you next week.